So I'm ready today to begin with this series, and without any further ado, I'm going to do that right now. Father, I lift my voice over this congregation, over these sons and these daughters. I lift my voice over myself, and I pray today, I'm going to pray, this is by the Spirit, not by my understanding. I want to pray today by the Spirit in English that in all of our minds, that you help us to understand what it is that you want to do and then to engage it, not with apprehension, but with anxiousness, with an anxiety. We want to engage what you have for us. Uh, we want to see clearly what right now we might not. Help us today to enter into those things that you prepared for us to walk in today, even though they were prepared eons ago. I'm thankful today that we're not afraid to embrace and to enter into those moments and in those times and into those seasons that might be different uh, than what we have grown used to. I love that we are a people that are courageous. We are a people that are adventurous. We are a people of faith. I thank you for that. Be glorified today in our time. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, if you would please, turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 23, Psalm chapter 23, the 23rd Psalm, and you're very familiar with it. You might not even have to turn there, but do, if you would please. What is fluid worship? I want to talk about that in this entire month. I want to begin to share and help us understand. Last month, I talked a little bit about it, shared a little bit about it each week and began to help us to understand, but I never really believed in my heart that I was able to, in three or four minutes each service, help you to get an understanding of what it is that I believe that God is calling us to. So I want to answer that today, and I want to start this series with this particular subject, and that is setting the table, setting the table. First of all, what is fluid worship? In, in its simplest form of description, I would describe it this way. It is worship without walls. It is worship without barriers. It is worship that is not seen in bits and pieces, but rather a whole, a whole. Um, so... It is important to me, I made a statement last week that has reverberated over and over in my spirit this entire week, and that is that the Father's really moving me to move forward and moving this house and giving us a vision to move us forward until we see with our eyes what we see in our hearts, to go forward until we can see with our eyes the tangible evidence what we see in our spirit. In our spirit, there is an idea of if, the, if I were in the perfect environment, if I were perfectly doing perfectly what God perfectly wanted me to do, this is what it would look like. And this is what I believe, that is our heart, and I want to see with my eyes that vision that exists within my spirit, my heart. Amen? Amen? 
Does that make sense to you? So I want to press into that because over time, over the centuries, what has happened is the church has become, for lack of a better description, the church has become more of a meeting of many moments that are glued together with a transition. Many events that are kind of lined up beside one another. Um, I don't really have anything to do that with. If I had some books, I would do it. But become, have become, give me, a, um, give me a couple Bibles. Who has some Bibles or books? I don't care what you've got. Bible, everybody's wanting to, don't bring your phone. Let me just, because um, that's where most people's Bibles are now. Thank you. So this is what it represents. So what worship has become, what church has become for the most part, is there's this section that represents something. Then there's this section that represents something. Then there's this section that represents something. Is this your journal? Now that I've got it. And then what we try to do is we try to take these sections and we do the very best that we can to force this one into this one. But somehow this one is disconnected from this one because there's something in between. Does that make sense? So somehow this gets disconnected from this because there's something in between. doesn't mean this thing that's in between is any less important than this thing that's above or beneath. What it does mean, though, is that at some point, all of this should somehow become this. How do we get from this? Do you see it? How do we get from that to this? This is our journey. This is our journey. So then instead of having all of these parts, thank you, gentlemen. Make sure I've got the right thing, because if I start preaching out of your journal... <laughs> we'll see where it goes so that is the journey that we're on and so let me ask this question what does setting setting the table have to do with fluid worship a lot has everything to do with it because we cannot apprehend what the father wants us to do unless first we are prepared in our mind and our heart and our soul because in your soul is where the battle is going to take place we remember that right We'll talk more about that going on. But in the soul, that's where the battle takes place. I can tell you right now that in the spirit of every single person, in the, in the spirit of who you are, nobody is afraid of what we're entering into. Because the spirit part of you is the God part of you. So in the spirit, nobody is intimidated, afraid, nervous about moving into fluid worship. In the natural, that's where the intimidation is. That's where the fear is. That's where the anxiety is. That's where the apprehension is. It's in the natural. So between that natural and the spirit is the soul. And that soul is where the mind, will, and the emotions are. And it's in that soul that the flesh is trying to interpret what the spirit wants. And the spirit is trying to convince the flesh this is the best path for you. So in that soul, that's where the decision is going to be made. And there's going to be decisions made in the souls of men. And I say men, I'm talking about people there's going to be decisions that are going to be made just like every day because every decision you make every decision you every single decision even the cereal that you ate this morning was a decision made in the soul every decision you make is made in the soul every single thing you do is made in the soul so there's going to be decisions that are made in that 
place. So what does setting the table have to do with it? It has everything to do with it because it's what, what happens as I approach this place. And, and to understand what setting the table is, we have to first under, understand what table we're setting. So what do we know? We know this. We have a pretty good understanding here at the rock or in this house of what it means to set the table for God. We have a pretty good understanding, maybe some better than others, but what that means is we prepare ourselves, we present ourselves before him, a living sacrifice. We come and we worship and, and we're faithful over our tithes. We have our tithes and offering, which is the tangible evidence of faith, which part of our worship is faith. And we, we come in and, and we, uh, prayer's a part of that. And, and this is what we do. We set the table for God to do what we believe God wants to do. Everybody say that with me. It's important. We set the table, set the table. For, what we for what we believe God wants to do. But what an amazing transition if we get to the place where we, have, we don't have to believe what God wants to do anymore and we can know what God wants to do. I don't have to have faith for it because I'm now in the knowing. This will make sense in a moment. So these are all right and good. The prayer, the fellowship, the communion, the, the giving of our tithes and offering, the tangible evidences uh, that we set the table, we prepare a place for him to do what he would do because he said, if you'll do these things, you worship me, you cry out, you do this, you do this, you're faithful over this, your husband, your wife, your children, you fellowship with one another, fellowship with me by Holy Spirit. You do all of these things and I'm, and I'm going to do amazing things on your behalf. I've really cut that down into a short statement but that is you get the general idea so you've done all these things you have prepared a place for him this is what we know that we are really good about understanding that we need to really make a place for him to be who he wants to be what do we need to know that setting the table goes both ways not only do we need to know that it's important that we set the table for him? It's also important to know that he sets the table for us. And if we're not careful so often, so many times, we're quick to make sure that we're doing everything right. And while we're doing everything right, we've ignored the table that he set. So we might not know that what seems right to us has now become wrong. The only way we can know the heart of God is to sit down with God. So setting the table goes both ways. Amen. Amen. I like that. Amen. Amen. So setting the table goes both ways. What about the Father set? What does it look like when the Father sets a table for us? What, what is the appearance? What is my expectation when He sets a table? Let's turn to Psalm, the 23rd Psalm. I'm not going to read it all. You're very familiar with it, probably haven't memorized. But I'm only going to read verse 5, and that is the invitation part. Verse 5 says this says, You prepare a table before me, David said. David's saying. You prepare a table before me. Everybody say, God, God has, prepared has prepared a table, a table for, me. for me. Man, how cool is that? How amazing is that? I think sometimes we might have to ask the question, if, if it's if really Yahweh, if, if he prepared a table for me, why in the world would I not want to sit at it? 
Well, sometimes it's, it's uh, innocent neglect. Because we're so busy preparing our table for him. We're so busy making sure we're doing everything right. We haven't sat back long enough to find out, wait a minute, I smell chicken in the other room. Who's in there cooking? And we can approach it two different ways. I can't believe somebody's cooking in the other room. Look at what I've got. This is a spread. I've worked hard for this spread. I've really prepared myself well. Man, I've been praying three hours a day. Read every, I've read the Bible in every version. I help the needy, help the poor. I do all of these things. How dare somebody go in the other room and cook something? I'm preparing the table. This is, and then you go in there, you just peek around the corner, you find out Yahweh's sitting at the end of the table and he's doing this right here. You're like, come on, man. Football season's about to start and that's a phrase that they use all the time. <laughs> Never mind. And you look in there and he's sitting there at the end of the table and he's going like this. And we're like, we got a table for you in the other room, in the dining room. We have set the table for you, man. On the first, in the first bowl is prayer. In the second bowl is the Bible. In the third bowl is communion. In the fourth bowl is the serving of uh, faith. And the fifth bowl is good old broccoli uh, uh, fellowship casserole. No, I, I can tell you, my table that I prepare for him will not have sweet potatoes, nor will his that he prepares for me. Because even God doesn't like sweet potatoes. Okay, 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 we're not going there. Or scallop potatoes, just saying. So in the middle of all of this, we're concerned because we're thinking, don't you see what I've done for you? And he doesn't even answer that. He just kind of looks at us and he's still got his finger waving. He's just going. We're like, come on, man. You just, you don't get it, Yahweh. I've really worked hard for this. Let's read this. He says, so you prepare a table before me right in the presence of my enemies. I had to look up enemies in the Hebrew and it's Sarah or something like that. It means adversary, distressed, or trouble. You prepared a table for me right in the middle of those who distress me. Right in the middle of those who annoy me. You prepared a table for me right in the presence of my enemies. I want to show you something that's really cool. Let's, talk, let's think about this for a second. When Noah, when you think about having a table prepared for you, I don't, you know the father never considered one second, I'm, gonna, I'm going to prepare a table for Noah right in the middle of a bunch of unbelievers. Maybe I shouldn't do that because no one believes, so I'm not going to prepare a table for Noah, because what if he doesn't come to the table? I'm not going to prepare a table for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego right in the middle of a bunch of heathens. I'm not going to prepare a table for Daniel right in the middle of a bunch of heathens, because they might not know what to do with it. He didn't do that. You know what? Here's the thing about the Father that he sees that sometimes, or he doesn't see, that we often see, and we almost always see, is the Father's not trying to decide whether or not our environment is conducive to his anointing.
I can't release myself there because the environment is not conducive to my authority. The Father never says, you know what, I'm not sending anybody righteous into the middle of that because I see all of that. Here's the reality of it. The Father doesn't even see all of that. He just says, go. He's not interested in whether or not the environment is conducive. He's interested in whether his son is conducive. His daughter is conducive. Is there anybody hearing me in this room this morning? Are you conducive to the authority and to the anointing of the Holy Ghost of God? Are you a place where he says, man, if I sow into this thing, I'm going to sow into Noah? I don't, it, it's irrelevant to me whether there's a lot of people that are uh, unrighteous and whether there's a lot of heathens and reprobates out there. That's irrelevant to me. I'm going to give them all an opportunity. But the bottom line is Noah's a righteous man. I'm going to save you. I'm going to find a way to save him. Now, if the rest of those people want to be saved, they can be too. But I'm not going to say to Noah, Noah, I can't set the table for you because somebody might be left out. Bless your sweetheart. I'm just sorry for what's about to happen to you, but if I show you favor and I don't show them favor, then, you know, that's not a good thing. No, he didn't do that. He said, I'm not worried. I'm not interested in whether or not I sow into you just because of that environment. He said, I'm going to set you a table right in the presence of those who distress you, and they're going to mock you, and they're going to come against you, Noah, Shadrach, Meshach, Bendigo, Daniel, Gideon, whomever you might be. There's going to be something, Paul. There's going to be, I'm going to set a table for you, and if you'll come to the table, I'm telling you, I've got provision for you. When the rains do rise, I'm going to float you. When the fire does burn, I'm going to cover you. When the army is big, I'm going to get, be your front guard and your rear guard. I'm not affected by what is around you. I'm affected by whether or not you want to come and sit at my table. And here's the reality, Noah. Here's the reality, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. <laughs> Children. <laughs> Daniel, Gideon, Paul, Peter. Here's the reality of it. You've prepared yourself for me to set a table for, and I'm excited, and what you've done is good, but come to the table. Let me show you more. So he says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. You anoint my head with oil. You didn't, you didn't say I'm withholding anything. I'm going to anoint you. I'm preparing you. I'm making things ready. He, he said, so come, I've prepared a table. I want you to come. I want you to come to this table table everybody say he wants me to come to his table so how do we do that how do we approach her first of all by actually coming to the table first by actually coming to the table I'm always amazed I'm always amazed you know <laughs> I'm always amazed by you know who the best witnesses for the kingdom of God are the offended Nobody's a better witness than those who are offended because they talk the loudest, talk to the most people, make sure people they haven't talked to in 30 years suddenly hears what they've got to say. The best way to get the word out about the church is to offend somebody. Because the best witness is always and has always been the people who are offended. And once offended, you can lie like it's the truth, and there is no conviction. So they shout it from the mountaintop. 
so what, what do I do? How do I approach this table? First of all, I come to the table. And here's the thing. The reason I say that about the offended, and I use that as an example, but the reason I say that is because there are so many people, usually it's those who easily get offended. The reason that they're offended is because they have not positioned themselves to be seated at the right table. And that's not only true of the offended, it is those who are trying to understand but haven't. Um, I've stopped believing those people who say, I just want to know, and they're only here once a month. When it comes to that place that they're here once a month and they don't come, I, I really begin to know where their true hunger is and their true passion is. I stop believing they really want to know what they don't really want to know. What they want to know is when it's convenient. They want convenient knowledge, convenient revelation, convenient understanding. But they don't come to the table to eat of the food that will bring them that revelation. The best they'll ever do is eat the scraps. Is anybody hearing me today? So the best thing to do, how do I approach this table? I approach this table by actually coming to the table and then being seated rather than standing. I shared this story uh, of a time that I'm not proud of, but it was a season in my life that I was not a believer. I did not have relationship with the Lord and I, at all, and I was... Um, I was a uh, reprobate in every sense of the word, and I didn't like people telling me what to do. I didn't like people telling me when to do it. I didn't like. I didn't matter what it was. If I wanted something blue, and and they would tell me the best thing to do is red, and even if I knew in my heart the best thing to do is paint it red, I would paint it blue, because I just didn't want to be told what I needed to do. And I remember this time. I've shared this before, but some of you haven't heard it. But I was in college, and I went into the uh, to the classroom on this particular day and something happened. My professor was there and I was in a, uh, I was actually at the time in criminal justice, uh, getting my criminal justice degree. And when I went in there, uh, I went into the classroom and this particular professor said some things and um, I didn't understand it. Honest, it was honest. There was nothing out of ordinary for that. Um, it was a lot of stuff that was new. It's college. And I didn't understand what he was saying, so I wanted to understand what he was saying. So I made an appointment to go by his office and to get understanding, which is the right thing to do. So far, so good. Everything looks good. Good student, Steve. You're doing really well. <laughs> so when I went by his office and I went in and I knocked on the door, he said, come in. And I opened the door and he said, hey, Steve, very nice, very nice guy. He said, hey, Steve, he said, um, um, what do you need to know? And I said, well, I don't understand whatever it was. I couldn't remember, you know, in chapter or whatever. I, I, I don't really understand that. Can you help me understand that concept? And uh, he said, yeah. He said, have a seat. Well, I'd been sitting all morning in classes. And I actually like to stand. But I'd been sitting all morning in classes. And I didn't want to sit down. So I said, innocently, I said, no, I, I think I would just rather stand up if you don't mind. And he said, no, I actually do mind. That changed everything. <laughs> Suddenly, I minded sitting down. 
It wasn't that I didn't mind standing up. It's that I minded sitting down. Does that make sense? And I said, he said, no, uh, I would like for you to have a seat so we can talk about this. And I said, no, I think I'm just going to stand up. He said, and then it became battle of wills. Because this is his office. He's the authority. He's the professor. And I'm the punk. It's true. I'm 17 years old at that time. And I'm the punk. And I'm standing there. And he said, he wouldn't talk. He wouldn't give me the answer. He said, Steve, please be seated. He was very kind. And I said, I'm going to stand. He said, if you do not sit down, we're not going to have this discussion. I said, well, I'm not sitting down. He said, if you don't sit down, I will kick you out of my class. I said, get to kicking. Turned around and walked out. Never sat down. Got kicked out of his class. That was the end of my criminal justice future. <laughs> then I went to Bible college. <laughs> No, there was a lot that happened in between there. Don't, don't get those two confused. I actually went into architectural drafting and design at that point. But um, point being, that man did nothing wrong. I did everything wrong. Because I was determined to put my shoulders back, my chest out, 17-year-old punk, and say, who are you? to tell me what to do. All he wanted me to do was sit down at the table so that he could educate me. He did. He wanted to serve me. I was paying him to serve me. Nobody paid for my education. I paid for my education. And I'm sitting there, I'm standing there and I walk out of that office, and I walked out of that career, and there was other reasons that I ended up not pursuing that any further. That's another story. But I wasn't saved in any of that season. Point being, when the table was set before me in this regard, I said, I'm not sitting. And he said, if you don't sit, you will not know what you have come to know. You cannot know it what you need to know by standing up. And sometimes, sometimes, our standing is an act of defiance. Because the nature of man is to always ask this question, who are you to tell me what to do? If I'm going to figure it, I'm going to figure it out on my own so that I don't have to give credit to nobody. I'm speaking people's language right now. I'd rather sort it all out on my own so that I can feel like I was the one that succeeded in this thing. That was 40, almost 40 years ago. 
that I stood and walked out. Wow, shouldn't have said it that way. (laughs) That I stood and walked out of that professor's office at North Harris Community College in Houston, Texas. And 40 years later, I still think about that day. 40 years later, I still remember the day that because I wouldn't sit down, it changed the course of what was coming. So we approach his table first by coming to the table, being willing to come and being willing to come with clean hands and a pure heart. In fact, Luke chapter 22, turn there with me if you would please, just turn there. Luke 22 verse 14, it says, When the hour came, Christ reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He said, I earnestly desire, earnestly. I'm going to tell you today, the Father earnestly desires for you to come and sit at his table. He does not expect you to have every answer. He does not expect you to have every answer. He doesn't even expect you to do every single thing right. He simply expects you to be at the table. He wants you seated with him because it is when we are seated with him that he can begin to release his word to you and me. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. But he didn't pass that cup, didn't take that cup till everyone was seated at that table. He did not even pass that thing until everyone was there, even the one that would betray him. He said, I've got to wait till everybody's present that's been invited to the table. took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and gave it to them and he said this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me likewise the uh, likewise the cup after they had eaten he said this cup is poured out for you is my new is the new covenant in my blood behold the hand of him who betrays me is sitting with me and you at this table for the son of man goes as it has been as it has been determined but woe to the one by whom he is betrayed. And he said, and they began, the disciples, the apostles, began to question one another which of them it would be who was going to do this betraying. This is what I want to tell you. When we come to the table, it's when we come to the table. You got to keep in mind, the reason that they were able to ask the question, is it I? Is it I? Is it I? Is it possible that I could be the one that's going to betray you? The reason they were able to answer the question is because they didn't come to the table perfected. They simply came to the table. If they had been perfected, there'd have been no question. If they had been perfected, there would have been no question. There would have been a knowing, a knowing. It isn't I. They wouldn't have been saying, is it I, is it I? They would have been saying, it's not me. Jack, you're in trouble. They'd have been saying it differently. They'd have been saying, is it you? Is it you? Is it you? No, is it you? No, it's not me. The only reason they were able to ask the question is because they knew when they came to that table, they were not perfected. They were still a work in progress, and he was doing an amazing work in them, but the fact that they came to the table, they changed the world. They changed the world. 
They changed, you got to get that. They were able to change the world because they came to the table and when they got there, they didn't say, I'm not sitting down. I'm going to stand up. If you got something to say to me, Jesus, you can say it while I'm standing on my feet. I'm going to stand in reverence. He says, you are not. You're standing in defiance. You aren't standing in honor. You're standing in defiance. Honor is what he asks of me. That's what I do. Doesn't matter what it looks like. Doesn't matter if it's comfortable. Doesn't even matter if I would rather stand up, sit on a stool, or sit on a chair. What matters is am I doing what he has asked me to do? And if I'm doing that, when I walk away from that table, I find out in short time, just a couple days, a day after, a few days later, I find out, oh, it wasn't me. That imperfect part didn't come out that way. You hearing me today? So I come with clean hands and a pure heart by having a willingness to try all the food that's set before me. This is this thing about setting the table. When we come to the table, next week we're going to be talking about all is one. All is one. A lot of this is going to make sense. And all is one. All is one. But when we come to the table, we've got to be willing to try everything that's at the table. One of the things I hated growing up was my uh, mother, my stepmother, forced us to eat everything that was on the table. It's one of the reasons I hate sweet potatoes and hate scalloped potatoes today. I vomited at the table when I was four years old because I was made to eat scalloped potatoes. And I ate them and I went, uh, uh. <laughs> Because it is the worst food. Scalloped potatoes, sweet potatoes, worst food on the planet. The devil created those. In fact, when God kicked Satan out of heaven, he sent with him sweet potatoes and scalloped potatoes. Think about that when you're having your Thanksgiving meal. What are you giving thanks for? So he sets the table, we come to the table, and we have to be willing to eat everything at the table. We come in there, and we don't get to say this, sons and daughters, that's who we are, right? We're sons and daughters of the king, right? We're kingdom sons, kingdom daughters, right? And those who aren't, we're going to get you in there, we're going to help you, we're going to lead you in, we're going to show you the way. But I'm going to tell you the crazy thing is when you, when you come to the table and, and he's got everything out there, we don't get to say, oh, you know what? I, I like these, but I don't like that. Hey, listen, I'm going to tell you today, if Holy Spirit served me up a, a good, strong dose of scalloped potatoes, I want to tell you today my heart is not to say. I'd say, you know what, by faith. I'm going to say about it what I used to say about a salad. Let it go over my lips like a salad, but hit my stomach like a hamburger. And I would say, by faith, those things are going over my tongue like scalloped potatoes, but they're going to hit my belly like a filet mignon. But being willing to eat. See, if I were to say to the Father, when he's invited me to the table, because we do, we set the table for him, but I'm going to tell you, more importantly, he sets a table for us. I better know how to set the table correctly when I'm setting it for him. If I have learned, if he's serving it up, we're wise to enter in. We don't say, I don't want to do this. 
We say, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to keep doing it until you tell me to do something else. Does anybody hear me today? And then the last thing. How do we approach this table? By having a willingness to try all the food that is set before us and by finding ways to serve while seated at the table that honors him. How do I serve while seated at this table? How do I serve while seated at this table? Did I hear somebody say, three people down from me, that you needed something? Well, I happen to have that in the bowl in front of me. So let me hand this down and serve you. I happen to have that anointing right here in front of me. Let me hand that down and serve you. You hearing what I'm saying today? This is how. This is how. This is how we set the table. That right there, all this striking hands, that's how we set the table. That's how we begin to prepare ourselves to let him do change in us. Amen? Stand with me if you would please this morning. So, Father... We have begun.